The reading is from Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, and can be found on page 928 in the Red Bibles. We also have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me in the depths of the sea, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Eat everybody. Let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you that you are a holy God. Please help us to come before you now and to learn more of you and to learn more of us and to learn more of how we relate to you and to know at the end that salvation comes from you. Amen. Last week we saw that Jonah had a small view of God. God told him to go up to Nineveh to encourage the people there to repent. But Jonah, he chose to go down, to go down to Joppa and down into the boat. The end result of Jonah's disobedience is that he gets thrown down into the sea. He thought he could get away from God by doing the opposite of what God told him going completely the opposite direction to where God was sending him. But God had other ideas. And as our passage opens today, Jonah sat in the belly of the fish, our passage says, with plenty of time to reflect on what's gone wrong. And so the fish's belly, well, it becomes for Jonah a place of gestation rather than digestion. Boo, I know, I know. Didn't work in the first service, but I thought I'd have a go again. Um, 
a place of gestation rather than digestion. And Jonah's response from the darkness of the fish's belly is this poetic prayer. It's a psalm. Chapter 2 is basically a psalm sandwich. Verses 1 and 10 are the narrative, but sandwiched in the middle is this huge mass of calories, the psalm of thanksgiving. We know it's a thanksgiving psalm because it has a five-part structure. Verse 2 is part 1, it's the introduction. And then verses 3 to the first part of verse 6, well that's part 2, that's Jonah's description of his past distress. Part 3 we see in verse 7, that's Jonah's appeal to God for help. Part 4, if we go back to the end of verse 6, is a reference to the rescue that God has provided Jonah. And part 5, verses 8 and 9, that's Jonah's vow of praise. His testimonial to the world about what God has done for him. And the psalm itself, like any psalm, has an original context to which it applies. Just think of the Psalms of King David and how they apply to the situation that he found himself in. And yet, like any psalm, just like those psalms, this psalm of Jonah, we see it in its context, but it has a broad enough language in it that we can think about it in situations that we face too. That's the beauty of the psalms, isn't it? that in every generation we can look to them to use for our comfort and our encouragement. And it's no different with Jonah's psalm here. But within the context of Jonah itself, there are two main points for us to see from the psalm. As Jonah describes his situation in this psalm, we see that one, Jonah hits rock bottom, and two, God raises Jonah up. One, Jonah hits rock bottom, and two, God raises Jonah up. Firstly then, Jonah hits rock bottom. Jonah speaks the words of this, this prayer psalm from the belly of a fish. Yet by the time he speaks this psalm, his situation is actually looking up. He realizes that actually he's in a better place now in the belly of the fish than he was outside of it. And so this psalm is a reflection, a looking back on where he's just been. Jonah realizes that he was a goner until the fish came and rescued him. And now he's able to reflect back on where he was. He was in the sea. Verse 3 tells us Jonah knew for certain that it was God who had put him there. God had cast him into the sea, into a place of chaos and destruction, an unknown, powerful, scary place, and surely for one reason only, Jonah thinks, to kill him. And Jonah realizes something else. He realizes that this was the punishment that he actually deserved. He deserved that death for his disobedience, for his failure to obey God. Verse 4, Jonah says, this is my punishment to be banished from God's sight. You see, he'd gone down to escape God. But this is God's poetic justice. He was catching him and sending him down to his destruction. The irony here is that Jonah had tried to run away from God. But now he realizes that to be banished from God's sight is the worst thing that could possibly happen to him. Verse 5 gives us 
this description of where it left him, being banished from God's sight. It left him choking, drowning, being consumed, being dragged down to his death. This language in verse 5 gives you a sense of Jonah's panic, of his despair as he's overwhelmed, as he's certain that he's about to die. Verse 6 brings us back to that language again of down, 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 down to the very roots of the mountains, to the bottommost place. In fact, the line in our NIV translated, the earth beneath barred me in forever, makes more sense in Hebrew as referring to Sheol, the Hebrew word for the place of the dead, where the dead are barred in with no chance of escape. The bars of Sheol, well, they become translated in the New Testament as the gates of Hades, the gates of hell. This is where Jonah feels he is being sucked down to, and there's nothing he can do about it. This is the end result of running away from God. This is where it leads. This is banishment from him. This is the end for Jonah, and he realizes that this is exactly what he deserves. What a terrible, what a frightening place for Jonah to be. He felt his lungs fill with water, his life's breath smothered and drowned out of him with no way to save himself, with no one to help. He was beyond saving. And yet... And yet, if we go back to chapter 1, verse 9, Jonah says that God is the God of the sea and the dry land. God is big. He didn't really realize it, but he said it. God is big. He's in control of everything. He made it. He knows it. Nowhere is beyond his reach, even the depths of the sea. And the irony here is strong. Jonah fled to escape from God, as though there were a place where he could go and God would not be, a place where God would leave him alone. But when Jonah descends to the very depths of the sea, where no one could surely reach him, where no help seems possible, that is where God sweeps him up and saves him. Have you ever felt in a situation like Jonah? Maybe you are even now in that terrible, frightening place where the sickening waves of fear and dread wash over you and you feel like you're drowning. Perhaps it's a letter in the post, a diagnosis from the doctor, a meeting in the office, or an ongoing problem that you've been struggling with for years or bullying at school or college, all sorts of things. And you don't know what to do. And you feel nothing but despair. Jonah's story shows us that sometimes it's in the midst of it, in the midst of that thing that can be a brief thing or can be a long thing, it's in the midst of that in those sickening ways of fear and dread, that sometimes it's possible to be in touch with God in a way that you've never experienced before. With a depth and an intensity 
born out of a complete need and dependence for him. Born out of the knowledge that in that moment or in that period of time, you can't help yourself and so you need to cast yourself on him. For Jonah, it's only when he hits rock bottom, when all seems lost and that there's no hope for him, that he really realizes he needs God. For the first time, he realizes that his God, he actually needs him. And that's when God saves him. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. On the very edge of death, Jonah remembered his need for God. And God answered. God answered his prayer and he raised Jonah up. That's our second point. God raises Jonah up. Look with me at the second part of verse 6. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. From the deep depths of despair, from the moment of death, from the very gates of hell, God sends a fish to swallow him up and rescue him from death. God has snatched him out of the pit at the last minute just before he's died. And it's hard for us to realize now that the idea of being in the belly of a fish, you know, that's actually salvation for Jonah. In that dark, smelly, claustrophobic space, God is saving Jonah from the death outside. I think we don't really get how deadly and dangerous the sea was to the Hebrews of the time. You see, the sea was the place of chaos and death, a place where people had no right to be, where all the elements are out to kill you. And of course, that's still true today. Still, sadly, people die on the sea. Boats sink, people drown. It's awful. But we've lost the sense of scariness of it because we've got giant metal ships. We've got planes that fly over it. We've got weather reports that tell us when a bad storm's coming. And so we feel that we can somehow control it. We simply don't feel the existential dread towards the sea that the Hebrews of Jonah's time felt. Probably the nearest thing today for us would, would be space. It's as if Jonah has been thrown out of a spaceship and he's literally about to die and this fish acts a bit like a kind of life pod that scoops him up and takes him back to the warmth and the breathable air of earth. This dark, cold pod, of course it's not a place you want to be. The fish isn't a place Jonah wants to be, but it's keeping him alive and bringing him to safety when everything, everything outside those walls is death. The fish is God's salvation for Jonah. And Jonah's words then in verses 8 and 9, well, they can be seen then as a conclusion to Jonah's meditations from the belly of the fish, from that place of safety. And so they act as the proper conclusion to Jonah's psalm of thanksgiving. Jonah realizes that in saving him from death, God has shown him mercy. In verse 8, Jonah talks about God's love. Well, that's God's steadfast covenant love for his people, his special love. Jonah refers to that love as he redirects his focus on God. 
He says he's turning his focus away from the things of the world and he's focusing them on his God. And he will respond to the salvation that he's had by focusing his worship on God alone. He renews his vows to worship God who has abundantly shown him steadfast covenant love. And Jonah's praise and thanksgiving here in these verses, well, they crescendo with the end of verse 9. Salvation comes from the Lord. That great shout of praise, salvation comes from the Lord. And so that we see by the end of the psalm, God has raised Jonah up in two ways. He's raised him up quite literally, as we see in verse 10, when the fish vomits him out onto dry land. But he's also raised him up spiritually. Because Jonah's gone through a sort of spiritual transformation. He's come to a realization that he deserved the punishment for death that he was going to get for the way he'd rebelled against God. That is a real change for Jonah. And and in the belly of the fish, he's realized now how dependent he really is on God. That's a change too. He realizes how big God is. He realizes that God is gracious and full of mercy and salvation comes from the Lord. And he realizes that not just abstractly, but he realizes that in his own life he's experienced it. And on the surface, verses 8 and 9 are a powerful witness to someone who has been utterly transformed. Of someone who was running away from God and through a powerful life experience has turned from running away, turned from disobedience and moved to live a life of faith and worship. This, on the surface, is his testimony. On the surface. But if we scratch below the surface, we see something a little different. We get a hint in verses 8 and 9 of what we're going to see later. Because the truth is, Jonah is very happy to get the chance of repentance and mercy. But only for himself. You see, he still doesn't want it for others. He's sorry, personally, for running away from God. But he's not sorry for his hatred for the people of Nineveh. And we'll look again at this in the next couple of weeks, but we can see the clues to his heart in these last verses, in verses 8 and 9. If you've got your Bibles to hand there, do you see how Jonah basically says, I'm better than them? He says, people who act like that are terrible, but I do this good thing. They're bad, but I'm I'm great. And that is exactly the attitude that Jesus criticizes the Pharisees for when they pray in the temple. Ultimately, Jonah's very thankful about his own second chance. But he's still dead against giving a second chance to anyone else. And yet what's possibly most remarkable in this passage, most remarkable of all, is that God knows this about Jonah. He knows Jonah's heart. But he still raises him up anyway. See, God knows Jonah still has a proud heart, but he saves him anyway. And if that isn't evidence of God's patience and his mercy and his love, I don't know what is. Even in the midst of Jonah's pride and selfishness, God hears his 
That's God's grace. And actually, that's really good news for us, isn't it? Because if we turn to God, even in the midst of our pride and selfishness, we know he will hear our prayers. And anyone who is willing to accept that they were wrong to go their own way like Jonah and instead turn to God's way can pray to God and know that he will answer. He will hear that prayer. How? Why? Well, ultimately, because of Jesus. In Matthew 12, Jesus says, For as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of a fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus died on the cross, and in his dying and descending to the dead, he broke the bars of sin. Without him, we would be like Jonah too. We would be going down. But in Jesus, we are set free. Free to be raised up with him to new life so that death and hell have no hold on us when we trust in him. Salvation comes from the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you already know that. But you also remember a time when you hit rock bottom. And you now, when you look back, you know that God was closer to you then than ever before. And, and friends, I want to encourage you, if that's you, that is a really wonderful and powerful testimony. Please don't keep it to yourself. I encourage you, please, to share it. Encourage us here with words of, your, of how God was with you, even in the darkest times. We would love to hear it. But maybe you're here today, and you wish you could look back and say, that was how things were, but now I'm over that. Maybe you're in the pit right now, feeling overwhelmed or anxious or despairing, and you don't know why. Our passage tells us God is with you. Even in the darkest places, he hears you, no matter how far away from him you feel right now. Being in that place doesn't make you a bad Christian. And Jonah may have only been there for three days. You may have been there for months. You may have been there for years. Don't feel that this is coming from a place where it's all going to be right tomorrow, that won't necessarily be true. But maybe some things can help along the way. Because our passage says that even in the depths of that pit, you can pray to God. He wants you to pray to him. He longs to hear him. No matter how you're feeling about yourself, he wants to hear you pray to him. And you can, wherever you are. You can read the Psalms like this one of Jonah's or any of those wonderful Psalms and you can see how others have been where you are right now. How others have wrestled with what you're wrestling with right now. Maybe you might find it helpful to recite some of the words of Scripture to yourself. Short, helpful, grounding truth that you can remember even in the crowded midst of your head. Short things like Jonah's words, salvation comes from the Lord. Again and again to yourself, salvation comes from the Lord. 
Maybe it would be helpful for you to speak to your fellow brothers and sisters here in church, to be willing to open up to them and share that with them and share your burden and let them encourage and support you along the way. Speak to your fellow brothers and sisters who have seen Jesus walk with them, maybe through the same thing you're going through. It doesn't mean it's going to fix everything tomorrow, but maybe day by day these things might help a little bit. And ultimately, we know our passage tells us that no matter how deep down we are right now, in Jesus we have a future hope that we will ultimately rise. As Jonah rose up from that water, as he arrived at land, we too will rise. We too will be raised with Jesus, our Lord, who brings us salvation. Because salvation comes from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that salvation comes from you. Lord, wherever we are today, no matter how deep down, help us to know that truth. Walk with us along that way. Comfort us and guide us and remind us that salvation comes from you. Amen.